Hi, welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, episode 24, Blessings from Questions. So this week, we read about the incredible experience where John the Baptist appeared to Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery to confer the Aaronic priesthood on them. What an incredible moment to read about. In Isaiah chapter 24, verse 5, it says, The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. So during the apostasy, men were no longer authorized to use the priesthood, and that is a fulfilling of prophecy. Um, Also, just side note, it makes me think about how John the Beloved and the three Nephites, they had the priesthood, um, but I guess they weren't authorized or didn't have the keys to use it. And I don't know if it just meant that they, they had the priesthood but didn't hold the keys. Anyway, I would be curious to read about that. So if anybody has any uh, quotes or material that actually references them specifically, because I know that the priesthood was taken off the earth, or or is it just that the keys weren't there? Anyway, so if anybody has any information on that, I'd love to read about that. But it's not super important since obviously they weren't actively using them anyway. Um, so the keys of the priesthood, after being removed from the earth for so long, was restored. The power of God here on earth, the power for men to act in the name of God, was restored. The circumstances preceding them receiving the Aaronic priesthood was that they had questions about things that they had read as they translated the Book of Mormon about baptism and the remission of sins. So, as is very common, especially here in the Doctrine and Covenants, this incredible blessing came as a result of asking questions. And asking questions the way that the Lord has prescribed. They went to him with humble hearts and sincere intent, trusting that he would answer and ready to accept whatever answer he gave them. And we know that the Lord often waits for us to come to him before these blessings that he's already willing to give us are poured out. Elder Neil A. Maxwell said, There are more good answers than we have good questions. So think about the implication of how much information, how much amazing knowledge the Lord has prepared to pour out on us if we only ask those good questions. And the fact that Elder Maxwell talks about good questions also means that there is a difference between good questions and bad questions or good questions and not helpful questions. What good questions do you have that you could ask in the prescribed way? As we know, most of the Doctrine and Covenants is answers to prayer and questions. So what kind of revelation is the Lord already willing to give you in your own life if you are willing to ask the questions? I came across this talk called The Importance of Asking Questions by Cecil O. Samuelson. He says, if we can accept that questions are not only acceptable, but are also essential, then we can move to determining what are ultimately the best and most vitally important questions. These would be those that deal with the central or core truths or issues. There is nothing inherently wrong with wanting to know the answers to a question just because it exists, but it is almost always more productive to have a clear purpose in mind or problem to solve when asking a question. 
We are not afraid of any questions. That assertion does not mean that answers to all of them are available and that those that are are of equal value. In fact, faith is such a profound principle and so necessary for us to accomplish all that we must do that details of interest or importance will always be kept in the realm of faith. Think of the responses of Book of Mormon prophets to either their own questions or questions posed to them. Do you remember Nephi's honest response when asked the question, Knowest thou the condescension of God? He answered, I know that he loveth his children. Nevertheless, I do not know the meaning of all things. Not only do we acknowledge to ourselves and to the Lord that when we don't know the answers to the questions that are posed, but we need to admit that we don't know others when appropriate. In teaching his son Helaman, Alma made this very clear as they discussed some important doctrinal points. He said, Now these mysteries are not yet fully made known unto me, therefore I shall forbear. So, ask questions. Ask them the way prescribed for us in the scriptures, with faith and hope. But ask the important questions first, the questions that other questions can build upon. Is Jesus Christ the Savior of the world? Is God real? Is the Book of Mormon true? Is Joseph Smith a prophet of God? And watch for the blessings of revelation Heavenly Father is already willing to give you if you ask. And then as you have those most important foundational questions, ask other good questions. We've been told by Elder Maxwell that there are more good answers than we have good questions. And so there's an infinite number of things that we can be asking, but I think we need to be careful to ask them in the proper order. And I think there's somewhere in the Bible, I probably should have looked it up, but milk before meat, get your foundation in place first. And actually we talked last year about the taproot, get your taproot, your foundation, your, your core nutrient collector in place, and then ask more questions because there are infinite numbers of good questions Questions that will help you further understand the gospel, questions that will help you progress. Is Heavenly Father more likely to give you those answers if you already have your foundation firmly set? Yes, He knows what is important to have in place first. So He needs you to ask the right questions in the right order. And when you have that foundation built, you have a world of questions open up to you for you to receive personal revelation on. I think of it kind of like expanding freedom, where we start out with kind of this um, short list of our foundational questions that we need answers to first. And as we progress, the amount of questions and the amount of knowledge that we can attain widens exponentially. But all of that being said, should we require all of those answers from him? No, we need to be like those Book of Mormon prophets and be willing to not know the meaning of all things because we weren't meant to know the meaning of all things here. But more important than those deep doctrinal questions are the questions that we ask about the direction and actions that we should be taking in our lives. And that's the kind of revelation that is most important, that is most helpful, that is going to get us where we need to go, is revelation about what we should be doing here on the earth. Revelation about what steps we should be taking. Revelation about what is right and what is wrong. Revelation about truth and error. Revelation about who we can affect right now, who we can help. There are so many good questions 
Just as there are good questions about the deep doctrine of the church, there are so many good questions we can ask and be willing to act upon about how we should be conducting our lives here on the earth. Ask Heavenly Father to keep your mind clear in these last days as things get more confusing. Ask Heavenly Father to help you see the difference between truth and error, between Heavenly Father's plan and Satan's plan. These are the kinds of questions that Heavenly Father wants to give us the answer to, and we need that answer. Because as we approach the second coming, things are going to get really confusing if you aren't asking the right questions in the prescribed way with a humble spirit in your heart and a willingness to submit your mind to his ways. Because we won't be able to work it out accurately in our own minds. We need the answers that only he, our moral lawgiver, can give. We need the discernment that we can only get through the influence of the Holy Ghost because we do not, nor are we supposed to know the meaning of all things. Rely on the gospel, rely on the scriptures, rely on our prophet, and rely on the guidance of the Spirit to direct your ways. Don't rely on what the world is telling you is right and wrong because ultimately we know the direction that the world in general as a whole is heading. So we need to be separate. We need to rely on his gospel, on the principles, on the scriptures, on the prophet for that direction. And we have been told by our prophet that our ability to receive and understand revelation for ourselves personally is going to be crucial. Now, my favorite discovery as I read through the Joseph Smith history portion of this week's lesson was Oliver Cowdery's account of the events. And somehow I hadn't really, I hadn't ever read that before. It's not a part of the verses itself. It's um, listed after it. And it is so powerful and so beautifully written. And it really gives you some sort of inkling of an, of an idea of how powerful experiences like this were. Now, this is kind of long, but it is so good. I want you to listen as Oliver describes the experience that they had as they asked the Lord about baptism and the remission of sins. This was not long desired before it was realized. The Lord, who is rich in mercy and ever willing to answer the consistent prayer of the humble, after we had called upon him in a fervent matter, aside from the abodes of men, condescended to manifest to us his will. On a sudden, as from the midst of eternity, the voice of the Redeemer spake peace to us, while the veil was parted and the angel of God came down clothed with glory and delivered the anxiously looked-for message and the keys of the gospel of repentance. What joy, what wonder, what amazement! While the world was racked and distracted, while millions were groping as blind for the wall, while all men were resting upon uncertainty as a general mass, our eyes beheld, our eyes heard, as in the blaze of day, yes, more above the glitter of the May sunbeam, which then shed its brilliancy over the face of nature. Then his voice, though mild, pierced to the center, and his words, I am thy fellow servant, dispelled every fear. We listened, we gazed, we admired. T'was the voice of an angel from glory. T'was a message from the Most High. And as we heard, we rejoiced, while his love enkindled upon our souls, and we were wrapped in the vision of the Almighty. Where was room for doubt? Nowhere. 
Uncertainty had fled. Doubt had sunk no more to rise, while fiction and deception had fled forever. But, dear brother, think furthermore for a moment what joy filled our hearts, and with what surprise we must have bowed, for who could not have bowed the knee for such a blessing, when we received under his hand the holy priesthood as he said, Upon you, my fellow servants, in the name of the Messiah, I confer this priesthood and this authority which shall remain upon the earth, that the sons of Levi may yet offer an offering unto the Lord in righteousness. Now, as he describes what it was like to see and hear John the Baptist and the Savior, I want you to imagine the very real reality that someday you will have the opportunity to experience something like this. In fact, something far greater than this. You will get to see and hear your Savior in person, in the flesh, maybe very possibly here on the earth in your mortal life. And if not here in the life to come, it is something you will experience. He continues, I shall not attempt to paint to you the feelings of this heart, nor the majestic beauty and glory which surrounded us on this occasion. But you will believe me when I say that earth, nor men with the eloquence of time, cannot begin to clothe language in as interesting and sublime a manner as this holy personage. No, nor has this earth power to give the joy, to bestow the peace, or comprehend the wisdom which was contained in each sentence, as they were delivered by the power of the Holy Spirit. Man may deceive his fellow men. Deception may follow deception. The children of the wicked one may have power to, to seduce the foolish and the untaught, till not but fiction feeds the many, and the fruit of falsehood carries in its current the giddy to the grave. But one touch with the finger of his love Yes, one ray of glory from the upper world, or one word from the mouth of the Savior, from the bosom of eternity, strikes it all into insignificance, and blots it forever from the mind. The assurance that we were in the presence of an angel, the certainty that we heard the voice of Jesus, and the truth unsullied as it flowed from a pure personage, dictated by the will of God, is to me past description. And I shall ever look upon this expression of the Savior's goodness with wonder and with thanksgiving while I am permitted to tarry. And in those mansions where perfection dwells and sin never comes, I hope to adore in that day which shall never cease. What an incredible, beautiful passage that Oliver Cowdery wrote there. It's so descriptive. It might be, right now, one of my favorite things that I have read. It is an incredible description of what it was like to be in the presence of a heavenly being. I want to talk about three things he said in there. So first, as I read this portion, I thought about how applicable it is and how much we can think about how our world is doing this to us. He says, man may deceive his fellow men. Is that happening? Deception may follow deception. Definitely happening. And the children of the wicked one may have power to seduce the foolish and untaught till naught but fiction feeds the many. So who is the foolish and the untaught? In my mind, the foolish and the untaught are those who aren't enlightened by the Spirit, who haven't sought knowledge from Christ 
and Heavenly Father himself. The foolish and untaught are those who do not understand nor seek to understand the gospel. So, the children of the wicked one may have power to seduce the foolish and the untaught, till naught but fiction feeds the many. Do we live in a time where fiction feeds the many? Where our principles have turned into fiction? The principles accepted by our culture? Are they true principles or are they fiction? And the fruit of falsehood. So what comes from that falsehood? The fruit of falsehood carries in its current the giddy to the grave. Now, I love the word that he uses there. He calls the people, the foolish and untaught, that are being fed fiction, carries them giddy to the grave. Is there a lot of falsehood? Is there a lot of people who are just giddy on fiction, on things that are just not true, on things that we know from our Heavenly Father are not true, and they are giddy on their own wisdom, and that fruit of falsehood is carrying them giddy to the grave, and not just to an earthly grave, but to the captivity and eternal damnation of the devil. And what is eternal damnation? It is spiritual death. So now that we've talked about that, I want to read it one more time. Man may deceive his fellow men, deception may follow deception, and the children of the wicked one may have power to seduce the foolish and untaught, till naught but fiction feeds the many, and the fruit of falsehood carries in its current the giddy to the grave. Such a powerful description of what happens when we are not relying on personal revelation and the Spirit. So the next thing, part I want to talk about is this beautiful statement. One touch with the finger of his love, yes, one ray of glory from the upper world, or one word from the mouth of the Savior from the bosom of eternity strikes it all into insignificance and blots it forever from the mind. So that statement comes right after it's describing all of the the deceptions of the devil. The love, the glory, the words of the Savior will strike all of it into insignificance and blot it forever from our mind. All the pain, confusion, and sorrow that we experience in this life, it will be struck insignificant. It will overshadow it all. The reality of the incredible glory of the Savior, His sacrifice, His power, and authority over all things will bring into perspective the perfection of His plan, the perfect atonement for all we have suffered, and the wisdom in His allowing for us to experience it all. Elder Holland said in his talk called Broken Things to Mend, This reliance upon the merciful nature of God is at the very center of the gospel Christ taught. I testify that the Savior's atonement lifts us all, not only from the burden of our sins, but also the burden of our disappointments and sorrows, our heartaches and our despair. From the beginning, trust in such help was to give us both a reason and a way to improve, an incentive to lay down our burdens and take up our salvation. There can and will be plenty of difficulties in life. Nevertheless, the soul that comes unto Christ, who knows his voice and strives to do as he did, finds a strength, as the hymn says, beyond his own. 
The Savior reminds us that he has graven us upon the palms of his hands. Consider the incomprehensible cost of the crucifixion and atonement. I promise you he is not going to turn his back on us now. When he says to the poor in spirit, come unto me, he means he knows the way out and he knows the way up. He knows it because he has walked it. He knows the way because he is the way. The atonement will strike it all, all of our pain, all of our sorrow, into insignificance. And third, he says, the assurance that we were in the presence of an angel, the certainty that we heard the voice of Jesus and the truth unsullied as it flowed from a pure personage, dictated by the will of God, to me is past description. And I shall ever look upon this expression of the Savior's goodness with wonder and thanksgiving while I am permitted to tarry. And in those mansions where perfection dwells and sin never comes, I hope to adore in that day which shall never cease. There will come a time when this is our reality, when we will attain joy unimaginable in a day that will never cease, where we will get to be in the presence of our Father and His Son endlessly. So the question that remains is how do we get to that day? How do we progress? How do we receive the personal revelation necessary to help us get through this time? Because right now, even though we, we've learned, we've just learned that all of this will be struck to insignificance, it doesn't feel insignificant right now. Remember what the Savior taught us. Ask and ye shall receive. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. This is the pattern in the Doctrine and Covenants. This is the pattern that Joseph and Oliver followed when they went to the woods to pray and got the revelation about baptism and the Aaronic priesthood and received the Aaronic priesthood. Questions asked in faith to the Father and answers given. That is the pattern. We can follow that pattern in our own lives to build our testimonies, to understand and be enlightened about the gospel, and to guide us so that we can stay on the Lord's side as Satan accelerates his efforts exponentially. We need to continue to fight for what was presented to us at the very beginning, agency, progression, eternal life, opportunity, and happiness. And if we don't continue to fight for that, we will be lured into Satan's plan of equity and captivity and death. Keep asking the Lord questions. Ask him the good questions, for which he has an infinite number of good answers. Ask him those good questions that lead to personal revelation and will keep you on the path of true principles leading back to him. I'm going to end with a quote from our prophet about personal revelation. You don't have to wonder about what is true. You do not have to wonder about in whom you can safely trust. Through personal revelation, you can receive your own witness that the Book of Mormon is the Word of God, that Joseph Smith is a prophet, and that this is the Lord's Church. Regardless of what others may say or do, no one can ever take away a witness born to your heart and to your mind about what is true. I urge you to stretch beyond your current spiritual ability to receive personal revelation, for the Lord has promised that if thou shalt seek, thou shalt receive revelation upon revelation, knowledge upon knowledge, that thou mayest know the mysteries and the peaceable things that which bringeth joy 
and bringeth eternal life. Oh, there is so much more that your Father in Heaven wants you to know. As Elder Neil A. Maxwell taught, to those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, it is clear that the Father and the Son are giving away the secrets of the universe. Nothing opens the heavens quite like the combination of increased purity, exact obedience, earnest seeking, daily feasting on the words of Christ in the Book of Mormon, and regular time committed to temple and family history work. To be sure, there are many times when you feel as though the heavens are closed, but I promise that as you continue to be obedient, expressing gratitude for every blessing the Lord gives you, and as you patiently honor the Lord's timetable, you will be given the knowledge and understanding that you seek. Every blessing the Lord has for you, even miracles, will follow. That is what personal revelation will do for you. I am optimistic about the future. It will be filled with opportunities for each of us to progress, contribute, and take the gospel to every corner of the earth. But I am also not naive about the days ahead. We live in a world that is complex, increasingly contentious. The constant availability of social media and a 24-hour news cycle bombard us with relentless messages. If we are to have any hope of sifting through the myriad of voices and philosophies of men that attack truth, we must learn to receive revelation. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening this week. It really means so much to me that each and every one of you is listening. Each listener that I see pop up on my little data dashboard that I have just makes my heart feel so warm and so good to know that perhaps my efforts are making a difference for someone. And truly, that is my only intention and the only reason that I am doing this is to do what he asked me to do and to affect the lives of others and to help gather Israel. If you feel that this episode has uplifted you, has given you courage to face the future with confidence, I encourage you to share it, to send it to your friends. And I actually haven't done the research on this, but I know it makes a big difference for you guys to leave reviews. And to if you feel that this is, the, this is your experience, I would love it if you would give it a five-star review. It helps other people find it. It helps it get more exposure. And again, thank you so much. I'll talk to you again next week.